I remember at Bible school there was this sermon illustration um, that communicated actually so much. Um, and it was about the, the roast that the, the daughter was preparing. And she asked the mother, but why are we preparing the roast this way? Um, and she just said, no, because your grandma prepared the roast like this. So that's why we cut off half of it. Um, to prepare it for our family meal. And she couldn't understand why we're cutting almost half of the roast. And then she decided she's going to chat to her grandmother in the old age home. So we went to go visit and ask, Grandmother, why do we need to cut the roast, half of the roast off when we prepare this for a Sunday meal? And she said, oh, my dear, I didn't have a lot of bowls in my house when I cooked. So that was the only way that I could fit the roast into my one bowl was to cut it off on the sides. And so the mother did it, and the mother taught her child to do it that way. And many times in church, we can do something because it's the way we've been told or taught. Um, but it's important that we understand the why. So we've got to go back to Scripture, and we've got to look at why we're doing certain things. Um, we're a church that's not vision-driven, but value-driven. You know, if we, we set out our vision here and we say, this is where we're going, everyone will have their own idea of how to get there. But if we hold to some core values, those core values will get to us, get, get us where we need to be. Um, and so that's why we build around core values, because we know if we hold dear to these core values as a church, we will become the church Jesus is busy building. We will become the church that we see in the book of Acts, because the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was birthed, and we use that as a blueprint, but that originated because of the Holy Spirit being poured out on people. So that was the fruit of the work of the Holy Spirit. So we're aiming towards that, but we need to open ourselves while we aim to that, that the Holy Spirit will birth it within us. Can we maybe get the lights on here as well? It's, it's becoming lunchtime, I can see. <laughs> I can see the, uh, yeah, 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 let's make sure it's not too, too, too moody. <laughs> the roast is in the oven, it's just chicken and roast. So I want to speak about devotion. And devotion is almost one of those words that, you know, if you've been part of Joshin for at least two years, you're like, oh, <laughs> devotion. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's probably one sermon that you'll guarantee you'll pop up during the course of the year would be one on devotion. And um, Andrew just asked that all across all the Joshin congregations um, the next two weeks we, we speak on this, the aspect of devotion. And um, I want to try and get back to the why, the heart of it, because I can tell us to be devoted, and it can become that roast thing. But if we understand why, we understand the essence of it, um, I think we'll, we'll go much further than just copy and paste. So um, we're going to speak about devotion and specifically hit the first one we see in the book of Acts 2. But before we go there, I quickly want to share the story. You can go to the next slide. There was a young boy um, or archaeologist, um, a couple of years ago, um, found this remains of this piece of paper in um, a building called Dumas Galatonia. Um, it was the Imperial Palace of Rome, and eventually it became a school for boys. And um, they found this dating back to about the third century. It's a bit, um, that one is a bit vague, but that's original. And on the right is actually a, a copy of the image. Um, and in um, the, the letters they remain in, let, or Roman letters, it said, Alaximinos, it's a little boy's name, worships his God. And it's believed that they were mocking this young boy that was 
following Jesus. And the kids in the class were drawing this and mocking him because in Rome they believed that if you saw something like Jesus, a person that hanged on a cross, the cross was for the scum of the earth. Um, it was, they mocked and said, you know, it's like you're worshipping a donkey. And so they were mocking this child that is to believe um, for him, for Alexa Minos worshipping Jesus. Thirteen years later, they discovered another piece of paper. And on it, it's, it was written, Alexaminos is faithful. And it would seem that this young boy, while he was mocked and persecuted for serving Jesus, he remained faithful to the Lord. After that, it's a beautiful picture of devotion. Irrespective of the opposition or the obstacles faced, you faced with, you keep on. Serving, you keep on persevering because you love something so dearly. You love something so dearly. And that's a beautiful picture for me of devotion, is you commit it to something regardless of the opposition and the obstacles. Mike Davis tells the story about him going to Brazil and they go watch the two local soccer teams, the Derby in, in Brazil. And one of the teams were called the Corinthians. And there was one guy in the group that, ser- that kind of like supported Sao Paulo. And um, it was at the Corinthians' home field. So the guy supporting Sao Paulo was loud the whole trip towards the stadium. It's like, Sao Paulo! And the guys would scream, Corinthians! And the guy that supported Sao Paulo would shout, no, Sao Paulo! And eventually when they got into the stadium, they would shout, Corinthians! And the guy supporting Sao Paulo would just sit quiet. Because <laughs> if you would shout Sao Paulo, you'd probably not live to see the next day. Because the people are passionate about their teams in Brazil. So amidst the opposition and the obstacle, that guy stepped back and got quiet. And many times amidst some obstacles and challenges we face, we can pull back. But devotion says, I'll push through regardless. So from that point of view, let's read the scripture. And they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. This is a glimpse. Oh, that's just a, a little extra there. <laughs> this is a glimpse of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship. Regardless of the obstacles, they persevered. Regardless of the persecution, they continued to do these things. Devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And they met in one another's homes, regardless of the obstacles. And just think about it. These people came to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit were poured out. And they started speaking in tongues, tongues of fire. The church was birthed and born and people got saved. Multitudes were being added. And then the people come like sold their homes. <laughs> They came for a festival, and now they're just remaining. Imagine the people in Jerusalem, you know, here's like 3,000 3, people getting saved. They just paid for the inn. They probably don't have money to pay another couple of weeks in the inn. So where do they need to go? People need to open up their homes. It was radical people. Just imagine the obstacles they faced, the challenges they faced. Some of them had to give up their livelihoods. So it wasn't an easy thing for many of them. They had to give up some of their freedoms. Even their reputation. Just think of a guy like Paul being respected amongst the Jewish people. He had to give up all of that. Why? Because he was devoted. 
He was passionately in love, irrespective of the obstacle and the struggle ahead. If you look at the Greek word for devotion, it is proska, proskartinotis. Uh, close. Proskartinotis. <laughs> and that Greek word means to continue steadfast, to persist, to persevere, despite difficulty or resistance. That picture of Alexa Minos, that irrespective of the persecution, the obstacles, he persevered, he gave himself. If you meet someone and you don't want to know what they're passionate about, just take some time and speak to them. Ask them, what do you spend your time on? If you can, get all of their bank statement and see what they spend money on. Because what you're passionate about, you'll give money towards. You'll give your time towards. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? What are you devoted to? First and foremost, and I'm not calling us to be devoted to values. I'm calling us as a congregation to be devoted to Jesus. To Jesus. But if I'm devoted to a person, I'm also devoted to what that person deems valuable. So my devotion to Jesus means that I'm going to devote myself to the things that he deems valuable. The things that he deems is important. So my devotion is first and foremost to Jesus. I don't want us to be a church that's devoted to Joshua. We shouldn't be telling people I'm devoted to Joshua. We're devoted to Christ. And because we're devoted to Christ, that's being lived out. According to Acts 2.42. My love for people is because of a love for Him. But that love for Him is expressed in a love for one another. So my devotion to Him is expressed in a devotion to one another. A devotion to what He deems is valuable. It says when Jesus, uh, we spoke about it last week, and He spoke to Peter, He says, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Here's a picture of the church He was building. <laughs> When he ascended, the Spirit was poured out and it gave birth to the church that Jesus is dreaming of. It's important to note that they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Each one of us need to devote ourselves. I can't force you. I can't put it on you. I can't demand devotion. Devotion comes from within. And if devotion is lacking, we need to repent. We need to come before the Spirit of God and say, Spirit of God, fill me. Because it's got to come from within. It's got to come from within. So I want to emphasize over the next couple of minutes just this aspect. We're going to look at over the next two weeks a devotion to the apostolic teaching and devotion to fellowship, to hospitality. Hospitality. We've got a conference coming up, and that's partly why we're sharing this. Because we can announce every single week, we need to do the con go to the conference. And it's not really about the conference. The conference is an opportunity where we can come under apostolic teaching and ministry. So we can, week by week, announce it and not really understand why it is important. And that's why we're looking at this, why we, it is important. We can speak week on week about hosting. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, we must host, we must host. But not understand why... We make such a big deal about it. And the aim over the next two weeks is to get to the why. So they devoted themselves, and they devoted themselves to apostolic teaching. They gave themselves 
regardless of obstacle and restriction and difficulties they gave themselves to that. Why do we also deem it important to devote ourselves to the apostolic teaching? We see that it's the first thing they mention in that list of stuff. And throughout scripture, there's the law first mentioned. You normally go and you say, okay, cool. Many times the thing that's first mentioned gets a lot of attention. It, it, it communicates something of uh, importance. If you sometimes share something with someone, normally the thing that you deem most important, most valuable, you'll mention first. And there's something of a, of a first mention, and that needs to draw us attention to that thing. And if you look in 1 Corinthians, you can go to the next slide. I think it's there. It's a bit vague. Oh, my. I'll tell you what's written there. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 to 11, it speaks about that, um, that a wise builder builds a good foundation. And a wise builder wouldn't lay, Paul wouldn't lay any other foundation apart from Jesus Christ. Next, it says there, hey, wow, John, well done. Then it speaks about, in Ephesians 2, verse 20, it says that um, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So the church is being built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, along with Jesus as the cornerstone. The cornerstone is a picture of the plumb line. That's the course. And we see this picture where, where the church needs to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. No other foundation. And then it also says that the apostles and the prophets... To the church is foundation. So does that mean we need to become like the Pope where the apostles, you know, is, fun, is the foundation stone of the church? No. Jesus is the foundation stone. But the apostolic and the prophetic is foundational to the church to help us to find Jesus as the foundation in the church. They are foundational to help us as a church and as individuals make sure that Jesus remains the foundation. Because with a rocky foundation, we'll fall. A rocky foundation will call us not to stand stable. There's a, a building in um, Japan, and they had a lot of um, earthquakes. And so all the buildings were just collapsing that they built. And so they actually got experts in to study and to find a way that they could build a foundation that could actually last through the earthquakes. So these guys came in and they found a way that they threw in mud in the thing and a lot of other materials in the foundation to help the, the building when the earthquakes came to stand the obstacles and the, the challenges. And so you need wise people that can come and determine what is the correct foundation. And the apostles are like that. They come and they examine them. They make sure. In the last scripture, it says in 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 10, it says, Paul is longing to be with the church, to give to them what they are lacking in their faith, to supply to them what they are lacking. And these, the apostolic comes and it inspects the life of the church. And it looks and it says, here's some weak foundations. We need to tweak these foundations so that the church can withstand the storms and the tests they are facing. So the apostolic and the prophetic is foundational to ensure that the church and our lives are built on the correct foundation, the correct prime line, which is Jesus Christ. To think that we can't drift from truth is a dangerous thought. Because we all have bends. We all have preferences. 
And the Bible says we've got to renew our mind and make sure that we don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. So all of us, even our eldership team, have a danger of drifting. So we need a grace gift given by Jesus Christ to come and examine and make sure that we are not drifting away from true north, that we're not drifting away from the right foundation. So that is why the apostolic is important. They make sure that we are built on the right foundation as churches and as individuals. We see the apostolic in the book of Acts. They preached when the church got together. They taught. When the church gathered in groups, um, they gathered in, a, um, in, 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 in the um, colonnade. They gathered there. They gathered in temples. The apostolic wrote letters. And the apostolic sent people to go and share with the church. Why do we do a conference? Not to have a conference. We're not doing a conference to have a conference. We're doing a conference so that we can create opportunity where the nations of the world can come together, that the church that's partnering together can come together, and that we can receive apostolic ministry to make sure that we are built on the right foundation. We haven't had this for three years. A lot can happen in three years. A lot of drifting can take place in three years. I've been, when I was part of NCMI, it was a church network um, that Josh and SQ was part of. The church I was part of before were also part of that network. And we would gather once a year in Bloemfontein. Churches all across the country, all across the world would gather there for a time of apostolic input. I tell you, those were the most significant times in my life. I heard they said the nations are important. I read it in my Bible, and I thought, yes, nations are important. But when I got there... And I saw the nations of the world gathering to worship Jesus. I saw something different. When people taught and apostolic grace gifts, apostolic gifts started to teach into that area, suddenly my eyes went open and I saw, wow, this is what Jesus is on about. And I was in that church for three years where they taught about the, the, the importance of the nations. But something happened when I was there. It was at some of the most significant times. I want to be a church leader. Well, that's why I went to Bible school. And I read every single book I can about how to build the perfect church. I looked at church models and I looked, oh, this, is, this church is the happening church. What are they doing? What can I copy and paste to make sure that our church is best? And then we got together as elders and we would dream and we would, we would strategize what can be the best possible church for our town or our place. And we looked at things and we tried to strategically look at it. And then at a 412 conference, Andrew Sally spoke. And he said, we can't look at other models. We can't even come and try and strategize how we need to build the church. We need to obey the Spirit of God. Because Jesus is the head of the church. Not another model. Not your great idea. And suddenly something went open. I'm like, yes. I've been, I've been misaligned. I've been misaligned. I need to follow Jesus. He's building his church. And what Johnny does in America or Alfred does in Philippines, it doesn't matter. I need to obey Jesus and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit along with apostolic grace gifts. You want to share something? Yes. No, just... Um, just on the conference itself, um, we're part of a, a church that, that looked into 412, and there is nothing that rattled us as much 
as going to the conference and seeing what happened this morning. Because at the conference there was this big people being um, becoming part of the family, and we sat there as a as a church looking in, and we're like, that's what we want. So it's not just it's not just for yourself. It's actually what it portrays into the nations and the people that that came that went back to the church was like. We have to change. We don't know if we don't know how, but we have to. We have to do that, and and that's why I want to encourage you. It's not just for ourselves. It's for the people from nations seeing that coming hungry. I mean, we stacked cars, guys chipped in for petrol money, filled the cars, and and I mean the hosting and all of that was such an incredible time of importation. We came back and we're like, okay, so what are we going to do? I don't know. You. Everybody has to come next year. That's the best way of doing this. So yeah, so in that, there is something of that call, coming together and importation, sitting there, hearing, seeing, listening to the guys. I mean, once it's just something that, that, that changed a lot. We, we God's Spirit just came and everybody ran, ran to the front. Like it's, and you're there, you just, just, just want to be there. You're crying and you're like, what happened? It's like, God, God, God was there. And I think it's so important um, that, that we recognize that, that God blesses those, those times and he imparts. Absolutely. Wonderful. Even the prophetic, it says that it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And, and these are fundamental to help us ensure that we're on the right foundation. And, um, I mean, even a guy like Vanner, where are you? You, you yeah. <laughs> um, there was, a, there was a grace gift, a prophetic grace gift that came to minister. And as that gift minister, it broke open something to Vanna um, in terms of how he needs to position his life. And it, it, it transformed him. It, it realigned him to make sure that he's on the right course and on the right foundation. Um, so Jesus is building his church. We've established that. We spoke about it last week as well. He's building his church. He's dreaming of a church. And even now, through this working of the Holy Spirit, he is, he's busy building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus ascended up to heaven. And in Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, He ascended, and then he gave gifts to men, certain grace gifts, so that the church can be equipped and strengthened. So Jesus is dreaming of this church. He's going to build this church. And as he goes, he says, I'm leaving the Holy Spirit and I'm imparting gifts to certain men to help the church become all it needs to be. So he's given gifts. Ephesians 11, it says, So Christ Christ himself gave the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. That's the gifts that he gave. And it says to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So he gave those gifts for the church. Have you ever been at one of these Christmas parties where people need to bring unwanted gifts? And then you play these games and the gifts move around and you can swap it and there's normally those gifts and then the, the worst thing is if you have a family member there that gave you a gift <laughs> and one of the unwanted gifts is the gift that family member gave you last year. That becomes awkward. These gifts that were given, we can't just pass on as unwanted gifts. If Jesus gave us a gift, we need to unwrap it and partake of the gift that he gave. We can't just pass it on. 
So he gave these gifts. So let's quickly look at why he gave these gifts. And why should we be devoted to their teaching? Firstly, he gave them for the equipping of God's people so that the body of Christ may be built up. He gave them so that the church can be equipped. Every one of you, he's placed you part of this body for a specific purpose and given you gifts, Holy Spirit has given you gifts, and you need to do your part, and as you do your part, the body is built up. But many times we don't know what to do with what God has given us. And that apostolic and the fivefold gifts mentioned there, those gifts Jesus gives, equips us so that we can give what Jesus has given us, so that we can partake, so that we can contribute. So he's there to equip us, the saints, not just some people, every single saint. There's some people that tell, they, they claim themselves to be apostles. Apostles need to be recognized. You recognize the grace gift. So some people claim themselves to be apostolic and they do teachings. And people love their teachings because they're really gifted communicators. So people love their teaching and they look at them and like, wow, this is wonderful. And then I look at the fruit and I don't see anyone being equipped for work of ministry. And I put a big question mark behind that. Because the apostolic equips the saints for works of ministry. There's churches all over the world where there's eloquent speakers and people are hanging there and they go week after week to listen to someone speak. But they don't open their home for someone else. They don't go and help someone in the life of the church that's needy. They don't go and pray and bring their gifts to edify someone else. They just sit. The fivefold gifts equip the saints for work of ministry so the body can be built up. The second thing, the gifts are there, their ministry is there to help us to reach the unity. So if Jesus, if every scripture is God-breathed, and, and God breathed this, and he's put this here, Jesus is trying to get our attention and said, listen, I've given you these gifts for these purposes, because if I leave you on your own, you're probably not going to get it right. So the gifts are there to help you, to become to a greater measure of unity in the faith. That unity is not when we all come together and we sing Kumbaya, or we you know, we, we come together. That's not the unity. Um, the picture of unity here is probably best described looking at the Israelites going into the promised land together, unified, going somewhere. Unity speaks about going in the same direction, to the same place, to the same, with the same end purpose in mind. So the gifts are there to bring us and help us attain unity. Secondly, thirdly, to help us find the knowledge of the Son of God and in the knowledge of the Son of God. It speaks about that knowledge, speaks about an intimacy and knowing, and knowing, a deep knowing of God. And fourthly, it helps us to become mature. It helps us to become mature. Mature believers. Mature believers reproduce. Babies can't make babies. <laughs> it's mature people that reproduce. And so for us to become mature, coming to the full measure of Jesus Christ, we need to put ourselves under these grace gifts to equip us for the work of ministry, to bring us to a greater measure of unity. I just want to say that sometimes the apostolic steps in there because we need to be aligned so they help us to find the right foundation and make sure our foundation is built on Jesus Christ. So sometimes they step in there and I've seen this happen, where sometimes their message actually causes the church to wobble a bit. 
And it almost feels like they're bringing a measure of disunity, but it's actually to realign us. And if we submit, we come in line, and then they find great unity. And sometimes it actually shakes a bit, so that those that's actually not wanting to give themselves can shake off. So sometimes there's a brief moment of disunity to find greater unity. Eh? <laughs> and every week. Next verse. Then we will no longer be infants. Isn't it wonderful? If we give ourselves, if we unwrap the gift and not just pass it on as a wanted gift, we no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Next, reason why we need this gift and these gifts, the fivefold gifts, is so that we're not tossed back and forth by every waves and by the circumstances of the world, that we can find secure footing in Jesus Christ. And then lastly, that we don't get carried away by the waves and every wind of doctrine. There are so many bad teaching going around the world. Things that look like it's good. Stuff like social justice. It's not social justice that will help the world. It's a gospel of Jesus Christ that will help the world. But social justice sounds good. And it's a little, it's a couple of degrees off true north. But if you're going to give yourself to that thing, you're going to be far off the true north. And so that teaching sounds good. But it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to change people. That's just one of many. So the apostolic identifies where teaching and doctrine are going slightly skew, and it brings the church back onto a true north. They look at the church and they want to supply what is lacking. So we've got a conference coming up, very practical. We've got a conference coming up, um, and it's not really a conference. It's a time where we as church can get together and be envisioned, can be built into, can be equipped and edified and become mature. I want to encourage us and I want to ask us, can we devote ourselves? And if there's an obstacle in the way, if there's a challenge in the way, can we speak and can we look at how we can remove those obstacles and persevere amidst those challenges and obstacles? I mean, this is in Marmersbury. The only reason why it's in Marmersbury is because it was COVID. And we had to make a decision on, on um, the conference in a time where we didn't know if the government is going to keep us in our homes because of a nosebleed. Or the government is going to tape up the toys and the stationery again in the shop. We didn't know. We didn't know what the government's going to decide. It was unsure, and we needed to make a call. What are we going to do? And we could meet outside. And that decision was made. And then shortly after all the deposits were paid and all the commitments were made, they said, hey, you can meet <laughs> without restrictions. And we couldn't change it. So that, so there are some obstacles, there are some challenges, but I want to encourage you, can we look at how we can remove the obstacles and get there, not just because we feel it's important as a church, but because we want to devote ourselves to Jesus. And if he deems this as important for us in a time such as this, let's give ourselves to it. So in your communities, I want this Wednesday, you to quickly discuss this and, and discuss if there is obstacles, that you can voice it and say, here's some of the obstacles, and we can lick how we can help. Um, you know, you can be there at the conference and not really want to be there. You can be there with your bum, but not there with your heart. 
Or you can be there with your heart and not be there with your bum. Because there's just practically some real challenges that you can't come around. Some of you might not be able to get leave. It would be, it would be impossible. So we realize there would be some challenges and some things that you just can't do anything about. But at least you tried. At least your heart is there. At least you want to be there. So we're looking for that. We're looking for hearts that's committed. So in your communities, can we discuss this and, and just speak about some of the challenges? Hosting. If you, if you do experiment, let's speak about it. Let's, let's get real. <laughs> let's get real about this and make Jesus Lord. I want to end with a story. Probably one of the best pictures of devotion for me. Jesus Christ. He was God, and he didn't consider it robbery to take on the nature of human flesh. He gave up everything. He gave up everything to take on the nature of human being. And he came here to die in our place. And before he died, he prayed there in Gethsemane, and he was starting to sweat blood. They say you do that when you face severe anxiety. He was sweating blood. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a serious obstacle. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a serious struggle. But yet he pushed through. Then they flogged him. They flogged him with leather straps with these big metal balls on. And they flogged him with that. And those metal balls were just to soften his skin and to soften his body. And along with those metal balls, there was hooks. And as those metal balls were softening his skin, that metal hooks tore his flesh. That's a serious obstacle. But Jesus didn't stop there. He persevered and he pushed through. He pushed through. And then he died on the cross, a humiliating death. And he pushed through. He pushed through. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? He did that for you and me. He did that so that a people that were disconnected from God, their maker, can be restored back to Him. It did that so that we can be born again and belong to Him, so we can find a new life. It did that because He was dreaming about a church, a people, a holy priesthood that will belong to God again. And for the joy set before Him, He did that. Isn't that a beautiful picture of devotion? Why do we want to be devoted? Because the one we love, the one we serve, didn't stop because there was an obstacle in his way. He pushed through. And now we can sit here and have life and life for eternity. He is busy building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So this afternoon, if we look at Jesus and we look at his devotion, just quickly while every head's bowed and our, every eye is closed and head is bowed, I want to ask you, if you've never accepted Jesus and you heard now about a God, a God, a Savior, who gave up everything for you, who amidst obstacles and struggles didn't stop, that continue to persevere so that you can have life. And you're sitting here, you've never given your life to Jesus. Bible says if, if we've sinned, the wages of sin is death. We, in a sense, we all deserve sin because we've all sinned somewhere. We've all told a lie or we're all are arrogant and prideful or rude. Or... 
We all need a saviour. We all, in a sense, need death, deserve death, according to the book of Romans. But Jesus came and he paid that penalty on our behalf. And today, if you're sitting here and you've never accepted Jesus, or, or you've maybe backslidden, and one, at one stage you were serving him, but some obstacles came in your way, and when those obstacles came, you just said, okay, I'm, I'm done with serving Jesus. I'm done. And today's opportunity for you to say, Lord Jesus, I, I, I pulled back. I stepped back when the obstacles in my way. Today I'm going to move those obstacles out of the way. I'm going to push through. And I'm going to, I'm going to recommit my life to you. If that's you, don't you quickly want to stand? And you're going to say, I want to, Lord Jesus, I want to recommit my life to you. I want to give my life anew, afresh to you. If that's you, don't you want to stand? If you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, we would love to pray for you. It's one of the best decisions that you can make in your life. Because one day we will all stand before him. And those that have accepted him this side of eternity will spend eternity with him. I'm just going to give three more seconds. If there's anyone that wants to respond, I want to pray with you. In a sense, as a church, we want to celebrate with you. Thank you, Lord. And then I want to pray as we close the meeting. If you felt during the sermon there was a conviction of the Lord where you maybe lacked devotion or, or you felt the call of the Lord, just saying it's time to step up a bit. You've slacked. You faced some obstacles. You faced some challenges. And, and you actually swide, you, you stepped back. You step back like that, like that Brazilian soccer supporter. When you face some of the challenges and the obstacles, you just kept quiet or you step back. But you felt the call of the Lord. You felt the Lord convict you that today you need to change. Don't you just quickly want to just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. You felt that conviction. You felt that call. And you realize today I need a shift. Today I need a change. Thank you, Lord. God, you, as people are responding to you, they're not responding to me, they're responding to you, and they're saying, Lord, I want to, today, I want to shift. Today I'm responding to your call. I pray by your spirit that you'd come and fill them now. We see in the book of Acts, we see this pattern in Acts 2, what we hold as values. It was a result of, of, of a working of the Holy Spirit. And I pray now that by your spirit that you'd come, Lord, and that you would do a deep work, a deep work in these individuals' lives, Lord. Lord, such a sense, I've got faith now that this, this simple prayer, God, this, this, this prayer that's not eloquent at all, this simple cry, God, today can actually shift something eternally in the hearts of these men and women. So thank you. We call upon you, Lord. We call upon you, Lord, and we pray that you'd come shift something, God. I pray for even those that didn't raise their hands, that's critical, Lord, or, or looking at, at these things with a, with a critical perspective. I pray that you'd come and do something in the hearts and soften hearts, God, because we can't just sit on the fence and be critical, God. There's a sense that you're calling us to, to align, to align, or to step away. But we can't sit and just be critical. We either got to give ourselves God or, 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 or not give ourselves at all. And in a sense, just right now, there's a sense in my heart that God is, there's a call to, to a hotness. Um, the Bible says you can't be lukewarm. You can't sit on the fence and be in a bit. You've got to be fully in. So rather be cold than lukewarm. 
But there's a call to be red hot for Jesus. And Lord, I pray just as there's a sense that you're calling some here today to renewed passion. I pray that by your spirit that you'd rekindle that flame now in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, we know we're not perfect as a church. We're not perfect as human beings. But we want to follow you, Lord. We want to follow you. And we want to give ourselves to these gifts that you've given Jesus so that we can be equipped and so that we can become mature, so that we can attain the full measure of Jesus Christ. We want that, Lord Jesus. We want that. In Jesus' name I pray for those here in this hall. Would you shed the love of the Father brought in their hearts? May they know your grace, Lord Jesus Christ, and may they know your continual fellowship, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>